Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of Pride or Die. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Bradley, the Detroiter. I am David Pike from Detroit Lions Forum. We are bringing you exclusive content from Detroit Sports Nation. How's it going, Nick? I hear you're back from vacation. Indeed, indeed. A couple weeks in Michigan. Took a load off. Didn't really put in a ton of work. We made the one episode. was just hanging out. Not a ton going on in the sports world. Tigers went on a little bit of a streak while I was in town. You tell me. You do the math. Was I the good luck charm? Probably. I leave town. I think they've lost two or three in a row since I left. Again, you do the math. The slow Lions week, but here we are nonetheless. Putting in the hours, giving the people what they need, a little Lions conversation. It's good to be back, David. Absolutely. It's always good to have you back on the show, my friend. So, yeah, you are right. It is been a, It has been a rather a very slow, lethargic news cycle for the Detroit Lions. There's not much to talk about. But as always, we will talk about some original content. And in this specific episode, what we're going to talk about is position battles. So, obviously, training camp now is about mm, two and a half, three weeks away. So we're doing a little bit of a preview here. So let's talk about some of the more enticing and interesting positional battles that we can expect to see in training camp. And so for me, probably one of the most enticing and interesting ones we're going to see is probably the wide receivers. Whereas last year, we had nothing exciting about our wide receivers to watch. This year, we (laughs) actually have talent from top to bottom. We have DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, Quintus Cephas. We have Amon Ross St. Brown. And we've got a newcomer kind of slowly moving his way up the ranks in Trinity Benson. So what do you think? Which guys do you think stand out in this whole position battle when it comes to the wide receiver core of the Detroit Lions? Yeah, I think the bottom, obviously, the bottom half will be more of where the battle is. DJ Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, upon his return, you can just pencil them in. Like, they're going to play as much as they possibly can. Those are going to be the top three guys. Jamison being out changes things a little bit. And then you look at the four spot, whether it's Quintez Cephas or Trinity Benson or whoever else it may be. I think that's where the battle comes. And it will be interesting to see because Cephas to a guy like Benson, they play a little differently. Benson's more of like the Amon Ra player style where he's smaller, quicker, things like that, where Cephas is a bigger body, get him the ball, let him be physical. Personally, as far as that competition goes, I like Cephas. I like him both. Like, I got nothing against anybody here. Nobody that really rubbed me the wrong way last year or the year before. I like Cephas, <laughs> though. I feel like he did. he's done some things as a Lion, like nothing crazy, nothing that's going to be on any highlight tape 20 years from now. But I feel like he's done things. He's made some catches, played well in some games, where every once in a while, I don't know, once every five, six weeks throughout the year, you're like, hey, Quintus Cephas, like this, he's the guy. He might be somewhat of a guy. So I'm excited to see how he battles. I'm hoping he makes the team. I'm hoping he keeps growing into a more and more prominent role. But I think it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see what the top tier guys look like too. But like I said, not much battle there. What about yourself? I agree with you, at least as far as Jameson Williams, Chark. I would throw Josh Reynolds in there as well because we did sign him to a two-year contract. And Raw, I would say those four guys, they're locks. They're going to play. And like you said, with Jameson Williams being out, chances are that Josh Reynolds is probably going to play the other outside wide receiver role until Williams comes back. But I do think at the very bottom of that list, because then after you have Williams, Chark, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Reynolds, there is Benson, and then there is Cephas. Now, again, I agree with you. 
I like Cephas. In the four games that he played for us last year, before he had that freak injury with his collarbone, he was looking to be a very solid wide receiver. And in fact, he was the only solid wide receiver Jared Goff had to throw to for the majority of the year. So I like Cephas. And you're right. Both Cephas and Benson, they have two varying different styles of play. Benson's more that kind of big, tall, wide receiver that if you want to, you can go and throw the ball out there. And he's more than likely going to make the catch. He has some speed. He has some agility, but he's not going to be burning anybody. Benson, on the other hand, has got more speed. He's shifty. He's quick. He's agile. He does fit a little bit more of the Amon Ross St. Brown role, but he can do a little bit of both. The problem is I want to keep both of them. I want to keep both Benson and Cephas because you can never have too much depth at wide receiver, as we saw last year. The problem is that when you've got this much wide receiver talent, it really becomes a problem then because you've got guys that are vying for snaps. Then once you give those snaps out, then you've got only one quarterback throwing one ball per play. So you've only got so many balls to catch. So Mm -hmm. it's I would love it if we could keep all of these guys. But chances are one of them is probably going to get the cut axe and maybe might get put back on practice squad if they don't get picked off of waivers. And if I had to put my money on it, I'd probably say Trinity Benson is the most likely to get that axe because let's understand something. When we traded for him last year, he didn't really play a whole lot despite a depleted wide receiver core. And on top of that, we have been hearing some good things about him in camp, but is that really going to overcome Quintus Cephas's experience with the offense from what he had last year and the previous year before that? I just don't think that's enough. So I think it's going to be a fun battle because from what we heard in OTAs and minicamps, those two are going neck and neck at it every day. If it wasn't Cephas making a great catch or doing something splendid, it was Trinity Benson and vice versa. So those two, Benson and Cephas, they're going to provide, in my opinion, a really good positional battle at the wide receiver core. What happened to my man's Khalif Raymond? He's still with the team, isn't he? Yes, Khalif Raymond is still with the team, but the problem with Khalif Raymond is that he's not really used as much as a wide receiver. And this is the kind of thing that kind of bugs me about Khalif Raymond is last year, he was our leading wide receiver until Josh Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown kind of took over. But Uh the majority of his career, he's been a punt return and kickoff special teams ace. And that's Mm. the role I see him playing in because it's, listen, when you've got four or five or six guys where their primary role is going out and catching passes, you don't need Khalif Raymond to go out and actually do that sort of thing. He can actually fully commit himself to punt return and kickoff return, which is what I think he's better suited at anyway. Could that he go could be in another, and play wide receiver? Yeah, that could be a death stroke for Benson, though, because I think Khalif, similar type guy as well as far as being a wide receiver, but now he's catching punts, returning kicks, doing whatever else you need him to. Ah, that's not great. I don't know. Maybe Trinity's going to come for his job returning stuff but you have a point of dan campbell himself has said it multiple times he's listen i want guys that have multi-positional functionality and khalif raymond as we saw last year he can play wide receiver at least at a decently proficient level but he also has the ability to return kicks and punts which makes him more valuable to the team overall yeah i liked khalif as a, yeah he's not a wide receiver one two or three or anything like that but as a wide receiver four or five I didn't mind them last year. I, would, I didn't mind getting him a few touches. Why not? Guy's kind of electric, right? He finds himself in open spaces. I think there's something to be said for that. You get open a lot, 
You find the ball a lot? There's something to that. There's got to be. We'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, when you've got as deep of a wide receiver core as we've got this year, there's going to be a lot more intrigue as to who's going to actually stand out when training camp starts here in two and a half weeks. That's right. So let's now transition over and away from the offensive side because let's be frankly honest, most of the positions are decided when it comes to the offense. We already know who's starting a quarterback, running back, tight end, lineman. We already know that. The Mm -hmm. defense, however, a little bit more unpredictable. And for us, it's primarily going to start with (laughs) my least favorite position group on the team right now, the linebacking core, because – That linebacking core right now is, uh, it's a little disappointing. I'll just put it that way. It's a little disappointing. It's very nice of you to say it like that. They've been dog water since 2014. (laughs) They have. They've been garbage since 2014. Yeah, think about it. That was when we had Stephen Tulloch, DeAndre Levy, and some other good guys. Ever since then, it's been, oh, yeah, who are you? (laughs) This past year, watching them play, watching the linebackers play was my least favorite part about the Lions team. Like, I would get... I was at terms with it. Hey, we're going to stink. There's no point in getting emotional over these games. I'd watch the linebacker position play, and I'd have to restrain myself. I'd have to look myself in the mirror and go, listen, they're 0-8. This game doesn't matter. Who cares that they can't plug an A-gap, make a tackle, cover a tight end? You name it, they can't do it. I, the linebackers, they're not good. That's it. Not good. If, you go to, if you go to PFF, we were dead last. In the league, when it came to the tackling, we had a 32-point grade, and we were 32nd when it came to tackling. We were just atrocious tackling the ball carrier. But, as always, we're going to talk about it because the only for sure starter at the linebacking core for the Detroit Lions is Alex Anzalone. He's the only for sure starter that we have. Other than that, it is literally just a laundry list of guys who may be starting next to him. You've got guys like Derek Barnes. You've got Malcolm Rodriguez. You've got Josh Woods. You've got our former first-round draft pick back in 2017, Gerard Davis is back. So it's okay. Outside of Alex Anzalone, who fills in at linebacker spot number two? (laughs) Like, Is this like our, how should we dare say it, devil's choice on who we go for? What do we go after? It literally is. I can't believe a few things there. I can't believe Davis is back. I completely forgot about that. I can't believe Alex Anzalone is the guy that's the lock. Alex Anzalone is your crown jewel at linebacker? Is that a joke? Is that a joke? That's some. That's like some Division II college stuff. Alex Anzalone's the one if guy. If it's a joke, it's – If it's a joke, it's a really bad joke. Let's just put it and call it for what it is. It's, because it's Anzalone – it is. I'll be, I'll be frankly honest. I don't like Alex Anzalone. I do not like him as a tackler. I don't like him as a linebacker. The only thing he has going for him is that he knows the defense. That's it. He knows the defense, but he can't too. execute very well. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he looks hair. like Thor, That's but it. who cares? <laughs> he was the biggest guy last I mean, you season. Know- I'd watch him, and I was like, I can't watch this Anzalone anymore. Can't do it. And he's the guy that's back. I don't know. I. It's- Hopefully Derek Barnes, right? That's who we need. Derek Barnes, I feel like he was promising coming out last year. A lot of good things said about him. He looks like an absolute freak of nature. And then Malcolm Rodriguez as well. They took him later this year, though. Malcolm? Malcolm Rodriguez was our sixth-round draft pick. But I will say this. Just because you're a sixth-round draft pick does not mean anything because Tom Brady was also a sixth-round draft pick. We know how his career's turned out. For sure. 
I feel like Malcolm so, has had some pretty good I steam mean, behind him too for being a sixth rounder and all. There's been some promising things said when he came out and through camp. If nothing else about Malcolm Rodriguez, the man's a damn gym rat. Like the dude is stacked. He is like completely ripped. So it's listen, you don't have to worry about him potentially getting bulldozed by somebody. He's going to be able to handle his own out there on the field. For me, it's okay here. Based upon what I've heard, Derek Barnes did okay. He's not been bad. Nobody said anything bad about him. He's looked the part in camp. But when I hear these reports about Malcolm Rodriguez, like Kelvin Shepard has been highly complimentary of Malcolm Rodriguez's abilities in camp. And from what I'm also hearing, they're potentially starting to, well, not potentially, they're starting to give Malcolm Rodriguez some green dot responsibility, such as being able to call the defense, such as being able to put the huddle together. So for me, it's, listen, if we're talking about a guy that's got the leg up as far as that linebacker number two, it's probably going to be Malcolm Rodriguez. Now, I will say this, devil's advocate being what it is, everybody instantaneously is going to be like, wait a minute here. Alex Anzalone and Gerard Davis played together in college at Florida. So why not put that tandem back together? And it's, I would hope and pray the coaches are not, not that foolish to do that because Gerard Davis, as Dan Campbell said so himself, he's better used as an off the ball outside linebacker that's used in pass rushing situations, not as a middle linebacker. Yes, Dan. So for me, it's, so for me, it's listen. If you have a passing situation, fine. Put Gerard Davis in. Have him be an extra rusher on the outside because the more the merrier, in my opinion. But if you're going to have the guy that's primarily fielding down the middle of the defense, at least let it be Malcolm Rodriguez or Derek Barnes alongside Alex Anzalone because one of those two, Barnes or Rodriguez, should be more than enough to cover up for Alex Anzalone's ridiculous mistakes. I don't know about his haircut, but (laughs) that's a different story altogether. Yeah, I have faith in Dan. I really do. You would think he'd heard about Matt Patricia. He's heard of Jared Davis the first time around. I can't imagine there's a universe in which he gets looks as a middle linebacker. I'll throw up. I'll throw up if I see it. Let him play on third downs. Line him up over the left tackle. Say, hey, Jared, the quarterback over there, he's going to step back and throw it. You just run after him and try and tackle him, buddy. Have him do that. He's not on the team for anything else. Don't practice coverage. Don't practice stopping the run. You're in the game. Sack the quarterback, Jared. Otherwise, you can get your ass down the road. I can't. I still can't believe they brought him back, to be fully honest. But give me Malcolm Rodriguez. Give me Derek Barnes. Give me one of these young guys who actually know what they're doing in the middle, who are still at the beginning of their careers. They haven't worn out their welcome. Obviously with me, but other <laughs> Detroit fans. Give me one of those two guys. I guess I don't have a preference between the two. Just uh, whoever's better. I trust Dan's I'm, judgment. I'll agree with you. Whoever's better. But in my opinion, I think it's Malcolm Rodriguez. Like, I just want to see Malcolm Rodriguez put the whooping on somebody one time. Just please do it. I would love yeah, it. He and seems again, like a guy. Davis is- I was just going to say, he seems like a guy that wants to just put his helmet through somebody's chest. The guy that he reminds me of, Malcolm Rodriguez, Bill Romanowski, the former linebacker (laughs) for the Raiders and for the Broncos. That's exactly who he reminds me of. What a pull. (laughs) Bill Romanowski. That's unreal. I'm not saying he'll be the same, but that's who he reminds me of. I'm I'm all in. That dude didn't fear anybody. That sounds great. I'd love so, it. So I would love if we had a Bill Romanowski 2.0 and Malcolm Rodriguez. I would <laughs> love that. <laughs>
All right, let's move from the linebackers and get off that distasteful subject. And let's actually talk about a position group that's a little bit more intriguing, a little bit more tasteful to not only our mouths, but also to the viewers' ears. Mm. Mm. And that's primarily going Mm. to be the safety group because the safety group is a little bit better, in my opinion, than the linebacking group because... For once, it doesn't seem like it's just Tracy Walker and then everybody else back. There's actually now some actual talent and some competition because Tracy Walker, we already know, is going to start. That's the primary. He's going to be the primary, I believe, free safety or strong safety. I can't remember his position. But besides him, now you've got these two guys that could potentially fill in. You've got Deshaun Elliott, who he picked up in free agency from the Ravens. And you've got Kirby Joseph, who he drafted in the third round from Illinois. Both of them, in my opinion, are very good, especially Kirby Joseph, because I like his ball hawking skills. Like, he's going to provide an instant boost in the middle two for the safety coverage, so that way we're not getting deep bombs thrown on us all the time, because he understands coverage very well, because in high school, he used to play wide receiver, so he knows how wide receivers break and how they do things. So for me, I think another position battle we need to watch is who's going to be the starting safety alongside Tracy Walker. Is it going to be Deshaun Elliott, or is it going to be Kirby Joseph? Yeah, I think probably right off the bat, the safety position being what it is, you're the last man back there. I would imagine it was complicated in high school. I would imagine it's even worse in the NFL, just making reads, knowing who you got to cover, where you got to be. So I I would think it'll be Deshaun Elliott because he came over from the Ravens too, who they're always good on defense. So I'm sure you're no slouch if you're coming from there. I would assume it's the veteran Deshaun Elliott at least to start. Hopefully he plays the part and doesn't seize the position to Kirby Joseph. But I'll tell you, Kirby Joseph, if a third safety needs to come in or as a backup, someone goes down, I like having that as an option. Let him learn for a couple weeks to start. Let him sit back. Got to get used to the NFL, the workload, the speed, how things work, how just how much better quarterbacks are. Get, let him get used to it. And then when the time comes, which in the game of football, the time will come. Hopefully he's more ready and hopefully he lives up to the billing because I feel like he was another guy. Wasn't a super high pick, wasn't super flashy. This guy's a lock to be a stud. But ever since we got him, was he third or fourth round pick? It's been like this Kirby Joseph kid is pretty legit out of Syracuse. So I have high hopes for him, to be honest. I just don't think he'll start. Yeah, here's the thing. With Kirby Joseph, like I said, the primary thing about him is that he's a ball hawk. Now, that's not to say he can't tackle. He's just more He's just more known for his ball hawking and coverage skills. But I will agree with you to a certain extent that I think Deshaun Elliott being the more experienced safety will get the nod first because they're wanting to slowly work these guys in, let them learn the scheme, let them learn the playbook, and not overwhelm them per se. But I think we also have to understand something here about Deshaun Elliott is that in the entire time he's been in the NFL, he's only had one full season playing. Every other season gets marred by some sort of an injury. So as you said, I think we should expect at some point that Elliott might get an injury, whether it's a small or a big one, something gets tweaked, something gets torn or broken, and then Kirby Joseph is thrown straight into the fire. And in my opinion... The thing that makes Kirby Joseph in a particularly good spot is because, one, he has two experienced safeties that are above him on the depth chart in Tracy Walker and Sean Elliott, so they both know what they're doing. But he's also got two very outstanding defensive backs coaches because he's got Aaron Glenn, who is a former cornerback in safety in his own that had an outstanding NFL career. And then he's got Aubrey Pleasant as his cornerbacks and defensive backs coach. So in my mind, it's, listen, 
You don't have to start Kirby Joseph right away. You can let him sit. You can let him learn, slowly work him in, maybe throw him in a couple of plays at the beginning until he's either, one, fully competent to take over, or until, until number two, he's required to take over. So right. I'd say just let him learn and then put him in. Let's not make the same mistakes as past regimes. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I mean, for crying out loud, I still remember when Bob Quinn drafted Tease Tabor in the second round. I was like, oh, classic. And then he threw him straight in, and he was the worst covering corner ever. That's Please. the Quinn for no. you. That's the Quinn Trisha era for you, baby. Woo. God. Yeah, and then he went out and traded for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> that's on that's, That one's going to haunt him forever, probably. <laughs> that's on Cleveland. Yeah, that's you guys are, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Or hire the dumbest guy in the world to run your hey. football team? Come on. That's on Cleveland. I, it's, I feel bad, but it's tough I mean, to feel bad. Cleveland does Cleveland things. What? All it's right, sad let's to say that. A dog on Cleveland. Yeah, I was going to say, Cleveland's actually been pretty good in spite of these things. But they're going, it seems that they're going right back I mean, where they came from. Yeah, but let's not talk about Cleveland too bad. They could diss on us just as much. Let's move into our other positional group to talk about, which coincidentally is another defensive group. And it's going to be the cornerback group because here's the thing. Safeties and cornerbacks, yes, they're part of the same defensive back area. But cornerback is a completely different position versus safety. Safety, you're considered the last line of defense. You are that guy that you can't let anybody get past you. Cornerback is a little bit different because you're constantly on the edge on that wide receiver's hip. You're constantly tailing him or you're passing him off to somebody else who then is responsibility to do the same thing. And here's the thing. Again, cornerback has been one of those positions that Lions fans have always had like a distasteful feeling towards because for the last couple of years before Armani Oruwari showed up, the only real cornerback we had was Darius Slay. And then Matt Patricia <laughs> peeved him off and then they shipped him to Philadelphia. God. So now it's okay. We got Amani Oruwariye. I like what we've got in Amani Oruwariye because he's really good. When you get six yeah. interceptions in one season, you're doing something. But after Amani Oruwariye, it's okay, what do we got? We've got Jeff Okuda, which I like Jeff Okuda. I like his talent. I like his drive. What I don't like is his inability to stay on the field. Yep. Then you've got guys like Jerry Jacobs. You've got A.J. Parker. And you've also got Ify Melifonwu. So it's okay. Amani Urawari, he's locked in. He's going to be your star cornerback, the guy that you put out on the island to go up against the big-time wide receivers. But who then falls in line after him? That's the million-dollar question. What do you think? I, I Bias alert. Boop, 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 boop. Bias alert. I need it to be Jeff Okuda. I need Jeff Okuda to bounce back. <laughs> I've been defending him since the day he was drafted. He was un, underperforming. He got injured, came back, underperforming, injured. I've been – banging my fist on the desk for this guy forever. I've been saying, listen, you don't just forget how to play corner. You don't stop understanding how to cover somebody. He can't possibly be that bad. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-pro corner. I refuse to believe that he doesn't get to the point where he's like an everyday NFL corner. I need it to be Jeff. And he did a couple things. He's made some open field tackles where he looks like a missile and looks like he did at Ohio State. He had that interception against Arizona two years ago where he just comes out of nowhere and seals it. Like he does things where you're like, that's what I'm, that's the guy. That's the guy, Jeff. He's had injuries. People, which my biggest pet peeve, by the way, not just Lions fans. I think Detroit, I don't know. It's probably all fans, but I'm a Detroit fan, so I see it within Detroit fan bases the most. 
they're so ready to quit on a guy. I remember they did it with Hawk, too, after the first year. It was like, Hawk stinks. I'm sitting there, bro, watch the game. They don't throw him the ball. And then what did he do in year two? He's one of the best in the NFL. I'll just say this. I do agree with you. Detroit Lions fans give up on players way too much, and they give up on them for two main reasons, either because they have injury concerns or they don't blossom right away. Like we saw it with Jared Goff last year. When he was playing poorly, everybody wanted to throw him to the fire. But then when he came back, it was a completely different story. With Jeff Okuda and TJ Hawkinson, it's because of the injuries. Now, I will say this. The slight little caveat role for TJ Hawkinson was is because we'd already been down that road before with tight ends, right. a.k.a. Brandon Pettigrew. And we were like, oh, dear, we don't want to go down that road again. But TJ Hawkinson has actually performed up to being a top-billing tight end. Because last year, when he was the only prominent wide receiver Jared Goff had to throw to, he still almost had 600 yards, which was for second best on the team. So it's, I won't necessarily say TJ Hawkinson does not have talent. He definitely has talent. The problem is that he's dealt with a little bit of injury bugs over the last couple of years. Fair enough. But I think he'll be fine. Jeff Okuda, the same thing. I think just with Jeff Okuda. Go ahead. With Jeff Okuda, I think the main problem is that most fans, they saw that we drafted him at number three overall. And they're like, dude, there hasn't been a cornerback drafted that high in ages. And they're like, dude, if he's going to be drafted that high, we want to see immediate return on investment. And dude, that's not the way it works in the NFL. There's never such a thing as you get immediate return on investment, especially at cornerback. Yeah, I, and I understand that. Again, I, Lions fans, patience. I understand that. You take someone third overall, you wanted to play and be impactful instantly, which I get. But at the same time, not everybody's going to be impactful right away. That's just like how sports work. It's just a fact. So the idea that it's, I almost would get the feeling by like week three when Jeff Okuda hasn't had a three interception game yet, people are sitting there like rooting against him almost, like wanting Jeff Okuda to fail. And Hawkinson, you forgot Detroit's prodigal son, Eric Ebron, also scarred us for a highly picked tight end. But Hawkinson too, it's like, he's a different guy. What Just because Eric Ebron stunk, which I hate him just as much as anybody, you're going to sit here and go two weeks in, Hawkinson, <laughs> Hawkinson is the worst. Hawkinson's no good. Like, it's a 21-year-old guy. Give me a break, man. It, like, makes me resentful of other Lions fans. So I think that's why I've dug so hard in with Okuda. I want him to be the guy. I want him to find his, I don't know, his strut back. I love the nickname. Yeah, Ooh. the free jefe. I'm so in on that. The pepper emojis. I love all of that. Besides him, I like Jerry Jacobs. I think his story is really cool, and he was a beast last year. Brutal injury for him as well, and Iffy too. Iffy had the injury, but he big guy. I feel like he was talked about coming out of college, so those would be my next two, but I really hope Okuda comes into his own. I'm with you. I want Jeff Okuda to succeed. I really do because this is a guy that's been through multiple injuries, and he's come back, he's bounced back, and I'm hoping that he can finally stay on the field healthy and he can, in essence, shut up the yeah. naysayers, that he can make them go mm-hmm. quiet. That I love rooting for the underdog. That's why I like Jared Goff because a lot of people have been calling for his head for a while. And Dude, I'm telling you, just keep adding fuel to that fire. <laughs> you keep adding it to Jeff Okuda, Jared Goff, all these people that just want to dog on these players. It's just keep adding fuel, baby. It's just going to make it that much sweeter when they finally say, I told you so. I hope so. And, I mean – yeah, same thing for me. And honesty, I think that the way the roster is going to break down, at least for the depth chart for the cornerback room, obviously you have Oware. He's going to be mm-hmm. number one. 
I think just purely because from an experience standpoint, Jeff Okuda will probably be number two so long as he's healthy. The fact that he's already been participating OTAs in minicamp already has him in a much better position to do so. And then I think, again, depending upon health, you're probably then going to next have either Ify Melifonwu or Jerry Jacobs. And that's why I say depending upon health, because Jacobs has not yet fully come back from his ACL tear. Mm -hmm. However, though, he is starting to run. He is starting to get more mobility drills going. But the question is whether or not he's going to be fully ready for training camp or not. That's the big question. Same thing for other guys like Mitchell, the tight end, and also for Jamison Williams, the Mm -hmm. wide receiver. We just don't know where they're at in their recovery process. Yeah, that's fine, though. I want to see Iffy. I was excited for him last year, and then he got hurt super early, which was a bummer. But I'm excited. He's a big dude to be playing corner. So I'm excited to see what he's got. I feel like maybe in a way getting hurt last year could have been a little bit of a blessing where it's, hey, man, relax. Just learn how to play pro football. Learn how the NFL works. I think that's a big part, too. We talked, like we were saying, everybody wants instant returns from rookies. Like, you are leveling up so extremely going from college to the pros it's when rookie like Kyle Pitts last year when rookies come out and do play extremely well like that is nuts to think about those guys were in college the year before it's crazy that's just because it's so rare you don't see a lot of guys that in their very first year outside the gates they're doing stuff that you would expect out of a seasoned veteran the fact that Kyle Pitts a tight end of all things Got a thousand yards receiving in his first year. Bananas. That's yeah. impressive because most tight ends don't get over yeah. a thousand yards. Most of them only get around five to seven hundred yards. So he's getting wide receiver level production as a tight end and as a rookie. Again, so when you see stuff like that, yes, great. Woo! It's nice to have that kind of return on investment. <laughs> yeah. But that is an outlier. That is not the standard. So don't expect that for every rookie that ever gets drafted. Exactly. It's not going to exactly. happen. It's an extreme outlier. Like, what one out of the top ten oh, rookies sure. having a season like that is that's very impressive. These guys are going from playing eighteen year olds to growing. Oh, I mean, oh, and I agree. And I, some people don't talk about this with Panay Sewell, but Panay Sewell, yep. in my opinion, had one oh, of yeah. those years. He just gets forgotten about because he's right. a lineman. Nobody really thinks about linemen. Right. But when you when you're going up against guys like. Aaron Donald, Joey Bosa, and you're holding your own as a 20-year-old rookie, not a 21-year-old rookie, a 20-year-old rookie. That's very impressive. So I get it. People want to see return on investment from guys like Jeff Okuda, who's only played 11 games. But it's, listen, people, have some patience. Slow your roll. Have some patience. Let's wait and give Jeff Okuda another Mm -hmm. year here because it does no good just tossing him into the trash Mm -hmm. heap. Because, again, you're never going to know how far you came until you actually go the distance. Because you could be right there on the cusp of getting that gold, getting that diamond, and you gave up. And it's like, no, you've got to see this all the way through, folks. I hate the trash heap people. And like I said earlier, it feels like they root against them, too. It drives me insane. Drives me insane, too, bud. But with that, folks, we have come to the end of our next Pride or Die segment. And with that, I'm so glad to have been here with my good ba- good pal and co-host, Nick Bradley. Thank you guys for tuning in for yet another episode of Pride or Die. We will be back next week. And with that, Pride, Pride or, or Die, die baby. Folks. Man on a mission, I'm a kid, and you know I be on the way.